everybody, and welcome to the offseason. Emma Tiedemann here for another episode of the Portland Sea Dogs podcast. We have a lot of great guests and content planned for the offseason to maybe make the months without baseball a little more bearable. So let's talk about our first guest. Catcher Stephen Scott started the 2022 season with High A Greenville before he was promoted to Portland. He played in 59 games with the Sea Dogs this season and finished batting 238 with 11 doubles, 7 home runs, and 31 RBI. He was an on-base machine with an on-base percentage of 371. Now, after the season was over, Steven was chosen by the Red Sox to represent the organization in the Arizona Fall League. Now, the Fall League is made up of top prospects around baseball, and Steven continued his success. In 15 games for the Scottsdale Scorpions, he hit 298 with five home runs and 16 RBI. And that on-base percentage, by the way, went up to 394. He was also named a Fall League All-Star as his 2022 finally came to a close. But I'll let you hear it from Steven himself. We chat about his first baseball memories, competing in the College World Series with Vanderbilt, and about his transition from outfielder to full-time catcher. So without further ado, here's Steven Scott. like to welcome Stephen Scott in the Portland Sea Dogs podcast and joining us from a very sunny California. But we'll kind of throw it back a little bit to when you first started playing baseball. What what are some of your first memories playing the sport of baseball? Man, that goes back a, a pretty long time now. Um, I was actually four when I started playing baseball. My parents put me in t-ball at the Salvation Army in Raleigh, North Carolina. So... My first memories are uh, actually driving up to the field with my parents and then tying my shoes in the back seat uh, so that I could run out and, and play. And okay. actually, back then, uh, I I don't remember this personally, but we have videos of it. Uh, I actually hit right-handed back then. Um, wow. It wasn't until a couple of years later that I switched to left-handed. Have you ever tried to become like a switch hitter looking at those old videos? No, no, uh, not, not for a long time. I, uh, I, I think once I made the switch, it was, it was a clean, clean break. <laughs> Very cool. Well, you, I read that you also played football in high school also. How did you kind of make the decision to, to stick with baseball versus with football? I played football my whole life. Um, actually I started, so I started baseball in the spring when I was four, turned five in May and then, uh, started flag football that uh fall and so pretty much my whole life until college i had played both football and baseball and and people would always ask me what my favorite sport was and i would always just tell them whichever one i'm playing uh <laughs> that was that was my favorite and so once i got to high school i kind of realized that the there might be a, a need for me to pick one going forward i still wanted to play both in in high school uh, but baseball recruiting happens a lot earlier than football recruiting. And once I was talking to some of the schools that I was looking at, I think I kind of reflected personally and, and realized that baseball, I had a lot better options uh, for school and both program wise that uh, football probably wasn't going to wasn't going to compare. And so that's that's when I decided to commit for baseball and I committed to Vanderbilt and I actually had a couple conversations with Coach Corbin about whether uh, he was okay with me playing football 
my senior year because I had actually gotten hurt playing football my junior year and missed most of that season. Uh, got back in time for baseball season. Um, and getting on the phone with him, I was pretty nervous that he was going to tell me that there's no way that I should play. I should focus on baseball and all that. And it was actually the exact opposite phone call. He encouraged me to play football. He connected me uh, with Tyler Beatty, who also he was a pitcher at Vanderbilt at the time and also encouraged me to play football um, if that's what I wanted to do. And so I ended up going back and playing football my senior year. And I, I really am glad that I did. It was a it was a great season and had a lot of fun doing it. But with that said, then focused on baseball after that and uh, going forward, haven't haven't gotten back to it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. So you grew up in North Carolina. So who was your NFL team and who was your Major League Baseball team that you followed growing up? Always followed the Carolina Panthers. Still do. Um, still love to watch watch their games, although regional coverage doesn't always let me do it out here in Los Angeles. Um I didn't particularly have a major league baseball team. Um, growing up, I would go, uh, I would go to Carolina Mudcats games when I was really little, and then we moved uh, to Cary when I was about eight years old. And after that, we would go to some Durham Bulls games. But loved watching those games, but I, I never truly picked out a MLB MLB team. That makes sense. Yeah. I, when I played softball, like little league softball, the Mudcats was actually my team name. So really? I a, yeah, a fun place for the Carolina Mudcats in my heart. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Vanderbilt. Um, was there a, a family connection there that, that might've, you know, kind of put you over the edge of, of deciding to play for Vandy or was it just the overall historical, you know, significance of, of that program overall? There were a lot of factors that went in, into that decision. Um, both of my parents actually went to Vanderbilt in the 80s. That's where they met. And um, that to say that that played a, fa a big factor, that that not necessarily true. It, it definitely played a, a little bit of a factor thinking about it. But both of my parents really, really tried to stay out of my decision and, and encouraged me to make make my own decision, make my own way. Um, so ha having a lot of talks with Coach Corbin and you know, I, that's that's really when I fell in love with the program and talking with him I, on my visits, getting to talk with some of the players and and seeing Nashville, um, it, it really just became that that's where I wanted to be. And, and that was going to be my home. You were a part of a college World Series championship team. Um, you know, you played with guys like Kumar Rocker and and those guys that really made a splash. I mean, collegiately, but also just around the sport of baseball. So, what was that like being part of that program and and also again having to make a difficult decision to stay for your, that last year with Vanderbilt instead of you know you were drafted by the Marlins originally? What was that whole experience like? I mean, it was an incredible experience. The to come in as a freshman that. I, I wasn't drafted. I wasn't particularly high on on any perfect game rankings or anything like that. But to come in and, you know, be under some pretty high, high prospect names. You know, I, I came in, I was recruited as an outfielder. So thinking about the the outfield my freshman year, Brian Reynolds was in was in center field and Jaron Kendall was in right field. So, you know, coming in out of the gate, there there wasn't a whole lot of whole lot of room and there was pretty high competition for the the last the last spot in left field but I I think that that 
really helped me develop as a baseball player, both offensively and defensively, you know, kind of coming in and being able to take a step back and not, not really playing too much my, my freshman year, but being able to learn from some of those guys. And then, you know, my, my sophomore year is when I started to catch a little bit under uh, Jason delay. And at the time, Aaron Gershenfeld was the, was the volunteer assistant and our catching coach. So getting to learn a lot from from them, and obviously Jason is one of the best defensive catchers that I that I've seen. So you know, just learning so much under guys like that, and the way that they accepted me into the program, you know, it it was truly a brotherhood. And to be able to go in there and be a part of that culture, and then stay for four years was was really special. And you know that that was a lot of my decision after my junior year when I was drafted was thinking about, you know, some of the guys that, that might come back and some of us that were making that decision at the same time. And I like to think that, you know, that, that was part of their decision too, was thinking about all the, all the potential that we could have coming back, you know, within that locker room. So do you think that that kind of veteran group coming back really helped you for that, that college world series? I think I think that having a veteran group in college baseball is, is huge. And, you know, whether whether that, you know, helps you on the field or not, it, it definitely helps, you know, bringing in a lot of younger players. And you mentioned Kumar Rocker and obviously Kumar is a incredible pitcher and probably would have dominated in, in any situation that he walked into because that's just who he is. And I and I expect nothing, nothing but great things coming from him. But, you know, having that that senior group was was big when when I was young. And so to be to be a part of that was was pretty special for me. Wrap up, Vandy, and and you're drafted by the Red Sox. You're drafted in the 10th round and and then you kind of hit what everyone hit in 2020 with a canceled season. But what did you do in 2020? Because you came out of the pandemic and had a monster 2021 season and, and really kind of announced your presence and coming out of the 10th round, you know, it, you were kind of a name in 2021 and, and it obviously continue to this year too. So what did you do in 2020 to, to really make sure that that first professional season you were so successful? I think I did what a lot of other people did. And that was, uh, you know, do my best at first to, to stay ready for spring training, because initially we thought that, you know, it, it was going to be a couple weeks before we were back and, and then the season was going to take place. So you know, that, that time period was, was obviously tough for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I went back home to carry and, and lived with my parents for that first time frame and really didn't have access to anything. I mean, I, I didn't have a gym. I didn't have, I had a public batting cage that I could go to with my dad and that was really it. So, you know, that the first part was definitely tough from a baseball training standpoint, but, you know, I, I I think that some time away from the game was was definitely nice uh, being able to you know have a summer but then also being seeing the other side of it and being like man like this this is the game that I love and and that's that I I want to be playing it over the summer and you know it, it's nice to be able to do some of these things but you know it, I I think everybody kind of realized how much they missed the game and so after after that summer, uh, I moved back to Nashville and got back together with quite a few of the uh, bandy guys and the guys that work out there and just started getting back to work and like a normal offseason.
Wow. Yeah. So I have to ask you about another part of your, of your 2021 season, and that is your roommate and Joe Davis and your experience of living in the trailer that has really become Red Sox folklore at this point. Explain that whole situation and, you know, the, the type of relationship you have with Joe Davis, who, you know, hopefully we'll see him up in Portland here soon. And, and so maybe the tradition can continue, but um, your, your kind of experience in 2021 with living in a trailer and, and smoking meats on Mondays. <laughs> it was, it was one of those things that we talked about in 2020 during spring training. And it, it was actually probably going to happen at uh, for that season as well. Um, but then when everything got shut down, it, it kind of just kept getting built up and built up. So, you know, it, it was a, it was a great experience. I mean, Joe, is, Joe is one of my best friends. Uh, so to, to be able to live with him uh, within the baseball season and to get to play with him every day, you know, that, that just really makes it fun, fun for me. Um, and then there's the extracurricular activities as well. You know, the smoking meats on, I mean, Joe is an incredible cook, so he would, he would make briskets and ribs and steaks and pretty much anything, any, anything you can think of. We, we probably, uh, cooked it on, on a Monday or Sunday night, um, and that off day, but you know, the, the living situation, it, it was obviously a little tight in the trailer, you know, with with two a little bit bigger guys, but you know, we, we had fun with it and, and it was, it was a great time. So you alluded to, to this a little bit earlier, but how you recruited as an outfielder, but obviously if anybody watched the Sea Dogs game this season, you were behind the plate, you were catching. What is that transition like defensively? Because it's not like you're going from the center field position to a corner outfield. That's two totally different positions. So how did that decision come about of, of making that transition and then making that transition full-time this year? I've been a part-time catcher for a long time um, is the easiest way to say it. Um, I caught uh, for my high school all four years, but I had never had any sort of catching instruction. Um, I just kind of threw on the gear and, and went back there and, and did it as best as, as best that I could. Um, but over the summers I played outfield. And so that's what I was recruited to Vanderbilt initially as obviously coach Corbin, um, and the staff there, they, they pay attention and, and watch you in high school as well, not just over the summer. So they knew that, that I did some catching as well, but, uh, they primarily recruited me as an outfielder. And then my sophomore year at Vanderbilt, um, is when I kind of started working back at, at catcher so that we would be able to scrimmage in the fall and, and just have a little bit of depth at that position, but never ended up getting, never ended up catching during that year. Um, and then my junior year, I actually spent most of my time behind the plate uh, as a catcher. But then when I came back for my senior year, we had a couple bats that we needed to get into the lineup. And so Corbs asked if I could move back out to the outfield for that year. Um, I think that the Red Sox area scout, Danny Watkins really liked me more as a catcher than as an outfielder. Um, at, at least that's what he likes to tell me. <laughs> so, uh, I, when I was drafted, I, I spent 2019 in Lowell, uh, in the outfield because I hadn't, hadn't caught much that year. And then after that point kind of slowly started working towards, a towards a full-time transition and 21, you saw me, featured a little bit as some catcher, but also bouncing around in, uh, in the outfield and, and first base. But 
than this year full-time full-time catching has has been great and I and I love the position was it helpful this season to have a manager like Chad Chad Epperson who you know he up until this last season he was the catching coordinator for the Red Sox and maybe having a little extra expertise in that in that regard especially whenever this was your first full season catching yeah obviously I mean Epi is uh, is incredible and to uh, to be able to have him as an asset every day whereas I mean as a as a catching coordinator you you might get to see him a couple times throughout a month but to be able to work with him every day was really beneficial to me and you know I I I can't think of a, another guy that I would want to be coaching me every day as a as a catcher this season too, we saw quite a few major league rehabbers, quite a few pitchers. We saw Chris Sale, uh, Josh Taylor, T- Tyler Danish a lot. So what was it like also kind of interacting with those guys? So often it seemed like we it was a different major league rehabber. And so that's a different guy in the clubhouse as well to interact with. Yeah, for a while, it, it seemed like we had one every time we came home. Um, but I mean, that's fun, you know, to to see the guys that are are at the top, you know, and 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 truly great competitors. And I mean, I, I didn't have the pleasure of getting to catch Chris sale, but you know, to have him in the clubhouse, you you really see why, why he's so valuable to, to any team that he's been a part of, but mainly the Red Sox. And, you know, he, he was just a tremendous guy to, to learn from and and see in the clubhouse and then, and then kind of watch that switch as he, as he goes onto the field. And, you know, I, I don't know, I think he made one start with us and, kind of pretty much did Chris sale things and dominated. Uh, so, you know, to be able to watch that game and, and you know, watch, watch him make the flip when, when he walks onto the field and, and be an elite competitor, but then come off the field and, and be one of the guys in the clubhouse was, was really fun. Are there different things that you try and take from those kind of rehabber guys that, like you said, they've made it to the top level um, that you try and add into your own game? How do you, experience that and, and try and get some of the wisdom from the, the older guys? I think you just try to spend as much time around them as you can. I mean, and, you know, just, just take it for what it is that, you know, the, at the, these guys are are at the top of their game and at, at the top of this game and to be able to spend a week or two weeks, you know, even a couple of days with them is really, really special to us and, you know, valuable to us just to try to learn as much as you can this season, you saw double A for the first time, but you also re- you were able to play in the Arizona Fall League. Explain a little bit what the Arizona Fall League is, because it's a it's a pretty high honor to be to be asked to continue your season for, for another six weeks or so. Yeah, it, it was really an honor to be to be selected for that uh, by the Red Sox, you know, and that that's really how I viewed it. The tried to view it the whole time I was out there was. You know, this was this was really an honor to be out there with some of the top prospects in baseball and, you know, just try to have fun. I, I mean, it, it's a six week, six week thing. So, you know, it it's quick compared to a full season. But to be able to see, you know, four other teams in our in our locker room and, you know, get to spend time with them. I, I walked into the, that locker room having known two guys from the Braves and that was it. So you know, learning, learning how other teams operate, learning, learning these other fr- guys that I now consider friends was, was a lot of fun for me. Now I noticed that, you know, you're playing with guys that you were competitors with just in this 
season, you know, Zach Veen with the Hartford yard goats and, and those kind of, those kind of guys. And, and is it awkward at first to say, well, we were just actually competing against each other. And now we're teammates for six weeks. How, do, how does that kind of relationship form? Or is it just, it's just, just baseball. You're just going out to win. It's just baseball. I mean, I, I think it's kind of fun, you know, being, being behind the plate, you definitely get a lot more interaction with, with some of the players than, than other positions. So being able to see a guy like Zach Veen that we played in in Hartford or, you know, just kind of having that that mutual respect of seeing one another and recognizing that, you know, that he's obviously one of the one of the top names, but there, there's plenty of others that were out there, you know, from from all the teams in, in double A that we played. But, you know, just having a little mutual respect moment of like, hey, how you doing? Like, we're, we're both out here. This is this is pretty cool. You wrap up the Arizona Fall League. Uh, what does the rest of this offseason look like for you? Taking a little time off, um, but about to about to hop back into things here. So um gonna gonna start a little slow and work back into hitting and throwing. And and then once once some of these pitchers ramp back up, uh after I imagine after Christmas, it'll it'll start picking up and then uh, then it'll be, you know, getting ready for spring training as best as I can and you know, trying to trying to get some of these pitchers out here ready for spring training as best as I can as well. Now, one stat that you were pretty high up on in, in our for the Sea Dogs this season was your on-base percentage and the fact that you could really draw walks. It, it felt like a lot of times whenever you're coming to the plate, you're getting on base one way or another. How do you hone that skill of plate discipline and then also able to read pitches and, and be patient at the plate instead of chasing? It just seemed like you know, you were very patient every at bat, but how, how do you kind of go about practicing that um, to get better at that skill? I think some of it is pitch recognition and, and just working on being able to see pitches. And, you know, I, I do a lot of work off the machine in the off seasons and, and throughout the season as well of just trying to see pitches uh, of different shapes. And, and so, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that uh, once I get into the batter's box, I, I try not to think and I, and I try to just go into compete mode. And so, uh, you know, just, I, I guess it's just, you know, always working on uh, forming a zone and, and trying to take pitches that are outside of that. And, you know, that, that was one of the cool things that we saw in the, in the fall league was the use of the challenge um, to be able to kind of confirm or, or deny what, what you think is a, is a strike or a ball. So uh, you said you you tried not to think. Um, do you think that the pitch clock might have helped you not have the time to think? How how did you kind of get used to the pitch clock this season? Because I mean the the games flew by. Um, but what was it from your perspective of, of being a hitter and and maybe the other perspective of your catching and and what are your pitchers thinking as well? Yeah, it it definitely took took a little while to to get used to. I I mean I I tell people that the first month definitely felt. A little rushed but as you got used to it and developed a new routine it definitely became uh something that i re i really really enjoyed um you know that that quick pace definitely definitely was something that i liked as a as both a, a hitter and a catcher just kind of forcing the issue of developing the game quickly um i think that it comes into play more as a as a catcher obviously you have you have to be aware of the pitch clock and and everything that's going on as well and you know pitch calling but as a hitter i'm not i'm not sure if it benefited me or not but um you know it, it definitely took a little while to develop that new routine but once it did i think that everything kind of evened out and and people were ready to go more often
Awesome. Well, that's all I have for you, Stephen. Uh, we wish you the best, you know, in the off season and, and spring training and um, have you know wonderful holiday season. Thank you. Have a happy holidays, Emma. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Portland Sea Dogs podcast. Be sure to stay up to date with the Sea Dogs on social media. If you're interested in purchasing tickets or want more information on sponsorship opportunities, visit us at SeaDogs.com, giving us a call at 207-874-9300 or swinging by the box office at Hadlock Field.